Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a guiding principle study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Guiding Principles. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then the participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is the Guiding Principles Study for the Anonymous podcast. This is episode number six. We're going to begin on page nine with four groups. But first, we're going to give our introductions. Casey, can you jump on in and introduce yourself? My name is Casey, and my clean date is 9-30-2013. I attend meetings in the Salem area, and my home group is the Tuesday, Thursday, Westside Recovery. All right, thanks, Casey. What's up, Donna? Hey, everyone. My name is Donna. I am an addict. My clean date is Thanksgiving Day, 1985. I attend meetings online and in the Lane County area in Oregon, and I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Thanks, Donna. What's up, Melissa? Hi everyone, my name is Melissa and I'm an addict. My clean date is May 21st, 2015, and I attend meetings in the North Shore area um, and on Zoom. My home groups are Freedom to Change, uh, Women's NA Meeting, and also Spiritual Ninjas, and I'm grateful to be a part of tonight. All right, thanks, Melissa. What's up, Bobby? Hey, everybody. I'm Bobby. I'm an addict. Uh, my clean date is uh, October 1st of 2020, and uh, I attend meetings in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, and my home group is the Wolfpacken that meets on Wednesday and Friday night at 7. Glad to be here. Thanks, Bobby. What's up, Carl? I'm Carl. I'm an addict. Uh, clean date, January the 6th, 2015. Uh, go to meetings all around the New Orleans area, area and my home group is Open Mind. Thanks, Carl. What's up, Michelle? Hey, I'm Michelle Kelsey, and uh, I'm from Bend, Oregon. Uh, my clean date is actually this Friday, 8-13-1992. And um, I, my home group is an online meeting called the Early Risers. You can find us on virtualna.org. And I live in Bend, Oregon. All right, congratulations. Thanks, Michelle. What's up, Brooke? Hi, my name is Brooke. I'm an addict. Um, my clean date is 6-16-1997. Um, I attend meetings in Denver, the Denver area, and then the Boulder area, and sometimes on Zoom. Happy to be here. All right. Thanks, Brooke. Phil, are you with us? You want to jump in and introduce yourself? All right, folks, we'll circle back for Phil. We have a guest tonight, Miles. Miles, can you jump in and introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Miles, and I'm an addict. And uh, my home group is Unity Through Uncertainty. It's, a, it's an online home group, and I attend meetings in the Salem area, Mid Willamette Valley, and I'm glad to be here. All right. Welcome, Miles. And I'm Addict. Name's Douglas. I got clean March 12, 2000 in Southwestern PA, and, uh, and I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right, folks, this is episode number six. We're going to begin on page nine with four groups, and Carl's going to facilitate. Take it away, Carl. All right, Miles, uh, since you're a guest, you want to grab those first two paragraphs? Absolutely will. My name is Miles. I'm an addict. Four groups. NA is a program of attraction and unity is attractive. We feel unity in a group when we see members reaching out 
and sharing with goodwill. We receive the love of, of the group in the spirit of, in which it was, it's given. Even if we haven't experienced love before, we hear the message and begin to understand we are not unique and we are not alone. Feeling like we belong gives us hope. Love and humility in the group inspires freedom and security in the group's members. The group is the heart of Narcotics Anonymous. Groups hold recovery meetings and guide our service efforts. In NA groups, we hear the message, carry the message, create an atmosphere of recovery and find a home. Serving, sharing, praying and playing together, our relationships with fellow addicts become intimate and important to us. A home group is not only is not the only place we attend meetings or the only place we express our membership in NA, but it's a place where we attend meetings regularly, take responsibility for the well-being of the group, find our voice, and make sure the door is open. So yeah, when I uh, when I came to the program at Narcotics Anonymous and I walked in the doors, I wanted nothing to do with anybody here. And it was the home group or the first group that I went to that made me feel um, welcome. Um, the fact that everybody was getting along, there was no bickering and no, no judgment made me feel like I, um, like I was comfortable enough to stay there because uh, when I got here, I was absolutely uncomfortable with everything else. Um, you know, and it's, uh, it's pretty important, uh, you know, as a group to make, like it says here that we create an atmosphere of recovery, that um, that'd be one of the first things that, that a group makes their priority. Um, when, when a newcomer or any member show, shows up at our meetings that we make them feel welcome. And we make them feel like they can share, like they can um, sit next to somebody that they're not sitting against the wall as everybody's circled up in the middle. You know, creating a, an atmosphere of recovery makes everybody feel at home. You know, uh, our home groups, like if we were to invite somebody to, like if we were to invite somebody into our living room or over for dinner, we need to make the member feel just like that when they walk into a home, our home groups of Narcotics Anonymous. Um, I, I believe that that is uh, the best way to, to, to stick with our primary purpose is to make, make members feel welcome in any meeting they go to. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna pass with that. Thanks, Miles. Anybody else have any thoughts to share? All right, Ms. Donna, you want to take the uh, next paragraph? I sure do. When the group has an understanding of our traditions and members are clear and focused, the message shines through. A clear NA message is a source and a reflection of unity. NA language is not a dress code or a requirement for membership, but clarity helps everyone to understand the message of Narcotics Anonymous. We use distinct language in NA, but we cannot expect people to know or understand this language when they walk in the door. Being scolded or lectured rarely feels welcoming or helpful. The ability to say clearly and simply what we mean is a result of understanding. When we're helping others learn how to share, reinforcement is more powerful than enforcement. It demonstrates that we are listening, 
not just looking for an angle or even an argument. When our divisions get the best of us, the message is lost. And even if we say all the right words, we need all the tools we have to foster unity, our steps, our tradition and concepts, as well as empathy, patience, and courage. And um, this it speaks directly to me. Um, I got clean at a time when we were really changing the language of how we uh, introduced ourselves in the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous in 1985 and 86. And, um, uh, and it was very common. Everybody was uh, uh, addict and alcoholic and, you know, all that kind of stuff in the meetings. And, you know, some people still are. Um, but, uh, but we were trying to carry a more consistent message about we in the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous, we are addicts. And we really want to share that message consistently. So when the NA member walks, the new person walks in the door, they know where they are. We all have our own stories, but let's have um, our understanding of Narcotics Anonymous be this real simple thing that this is a place where people come to get clean and start to change their lives. And this is how we do it. And um, uh, for a while, because you know what happens when you get about two, three years clean is you know everything, right? And so that two, three year period there, I mean, there was me and a group of people, we were the ones that made sure everybody in the room spoke exactly the way they were supposed to. I mean, okay, that was me. And, um, and uh, uh, after a while, that didn't fit anymore, right? And I had to back off of that. And I remember when I had about seven or eight years clean, somebody introduced themselves in a way that is outside of how we usually do. I'm um, really needing to be unique and make sure they, you know, we're seen and I get that. And, uh, um, and somebody was just giving them a really hard time. And I, I looked at my friend, and I said, who taught these people how to behave like that? And she looked at me and she goes, I think it was us. I think we did this, right? We were done with it. We weren't doing it anymore, but the people that came up behind us, they were still doing it, right? So we just had to, you know, and then, so the thing I've learned is if I want somebody to learn a lesson in Narcotics Anonymous, how I do that is I model the behavior that I want to see. And people get it eventually. Newcomers get it eventually, or they don't, you know, um, but in the end, it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that they keep coming back, that the group has a really consistent message, that the home mem group members have a really consistent message, right? Um, so there might be some things that the group might share when they open up the meeting. It's like we introduce ourselves as addicts here in Narcotics Anonymous. We you know, ask you to respect the house you're in kind of thing. Um, but uh, certainly during the meeting, that's not my place, um, you know. I've had people uh, re recently, somebody sharing in a meeting about how long they've been clean and um, they were so glad that now they could just have a glass of wine every once in a while, you know? And it really, it wasn't anybody's place in the meeting to jump all over that person, but we did come up and talk to them after the meeting, you know, here in Narcotics Anonymous, we believe that alcohol is a drug and, you know, and just talked about that. It's up to them, right? To figure that out. But, um, but we have a consistent message. So with that, I'll pass, thanks. Awesome, thanks so much, Ms. Donna. Um, I know we had a few hands up previously, so maybe we could circle back to them. Uh, Melissa, did you wanna share? Yeah, sure, thanks. Um, so one thing that really stood out to me in that second paragraph was when it said um, to find your voice. 
because um, I had no voice before NA. I mean, I literally had so little that I couldn't even hear my own voice and I didn't even know what I needed to say. You know, I knew that I needed help, but I didn't think anybody could help me because I thought I was just so beyond repair, you know. Um, and Narcotics Anonymous offered me a solution and y'all told me to talk about it and y'all listened. You know, you weren't distracted playing on your phone the whole meeting. You know, y'all embraced me. Y'all talked to me after. And um, I began to trust, which I actually have trust written in after that last line of the first paragraph where it says love and humility in the group inspires freedom and security in the group's members. Like, and for me, that I got trust from that, you know, and uh, I thought that was really awesome. And then when it had said in that third paragraph, when we're helping others learn how to share, reinforcement is more powerful than enforcement. And in that margin, I wrote encouragement because, you know, that's how it spoke to me is I was encouraged to show up, to participate and, to, you know, to be a part of and share. You know, I thought, I thought that was really great. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Carl. Awesome. Thanks so much, Melissa. And Miss Michelle, did you want to share? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to touch on that second paragraph too. the, the home group, you know, that was talking about um, the home group isn't the only place we attend meetings, um, but it's a place where we um, take responsibility for the group, find our voice and make sure the door is open. And, you know, the area I got clean in didn't really put a lot of emphasis on home groups. So I didn't, I didn't grow up in the rooms feeling like I had a home group. Right. And I mean, there was means I went to regularly, but it wasn't like, oh, this is my home group. And, um, and when I moved to Bend uh, 18 years ago, everybody here was like, oh, who's your, where's your home group? Like people would say their name and say my home group is. And I was like, what is happening here, right? Um, and, and so there was like this um, responsibility and honor and like, this is my home group. And these are, this, is, this is the group that I'm a part of. And, and so that really shifted for me when I got here. And, and, uh, and then in this last year, when I got connected with the early risers, like it really took on a whole new meaning for me. And, um, you know, being part of a, a virtual meeting that has home group members around the world is, is like crazy powerful. And, um, you know, like how we stay connected with each other all throughout the day. And, and um, you know, it's, it's like a whole nother family for me. So that, that's really cool. And, and I, I love how that has deepened my recovery and connected me even more to Narcotics Anonymous. Um, and, you know, that this last paragraph that we just read, um, you know, when I came in the rooms in 92, those people like Donna were, were like making sure we did the right thing. Um, and, you know, it didn't turn me off. Um, you know, I had a sponsor who believed in the traditions, who was really like, these are the steps, these are the traditions, we work them one and one. And, um, and, you know, she talked to me about the language and she talked to me because I first, my very first meeting was at the other fellowship. And so she talked to me about the importance of that. And, and so I really learned from the very beginning that like, as a sponsor, that was part of my responsibility as I took on sponsees to help educate them in that way. And, and to, um, you know, lovingly let people know. And, you know, for years, my skin would crawl when people would say the wrong words and I'd want to like jump in and fix it. And, and then I had this little, my mantra was patience, tolerance, and love. 
And, you know, if I was feeling really uncomfortable with how people were sharing in the meeting, I had an opportunity to change it by raising my hand and redirecting the conversation and using, you know, narcotics anonymous language and, and, um, and, or I could sit and just pray and meditate and send love out into the room. Um, and now I just don't care. I love y'all, whatever you say. <laughs> That's all for now. Thanks, Michelle. Um, does anybody else have anything to share? Go ahead, Douglas. Hey, I, I, it's, I really like hearing about how people got clean and like what the little, you know, kind of like the culture is in, in Southwestern PA. I got clean in 2000 and I didn't know until probably maybe like a, a year or two, the, the main difference in speaking at different fellowships. I, I, like how, how it was for us, man, we, we would go to AA meetings and NA meetings and we all had to, to like introduce ourselves. I'm a, I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. Boom. That like, that was our introduction, you know, and stuff. And, and then, uh, um, and so I've had seasons to where it was like, man, I was really kind of like the police, but you know, about that, and, you know, somebody would say it in the, in the meeting, I would say clean, you know, they would say sober clean, you know, or something, you know, so shit. And there's still people I see do that. And it, it's kind of like, I know where they're coming from, man, you know, and it, it's kind of out of fear for me. It was, it was kind of out of fear. Like if I didn't, if I didn't speak that, like if that was my truth at that time, then, then my commitment was fragile or something. That's how I thought at that time. And I, and I learned that through some step work and it's not true. Like I can be tolerant and not, and, and not have to agree or anything like that. But where I, where I really find it important though, this, you know, um, uh, to, to share and reinforce kind of like what Melissa was talking about is when institutions come into the meeting, you know, when facilities, um, you know, are allowed to, to come in uh, because those folk are really new, you know, and they're, and they're, and it's, it's not like they're, they're doing it to be disrespectful or anything like that. And, and my experience has been just a couple conversations after the meeting, like if they come to fellowship at dinner or something in the hallway of the meeting place and they use like, Oh yeah. Okay. We got it now. You know, because I, I had no idea and it, it took me a while before I, I really um, learned that. And then the last thing, um, so feeling like we belong gives us hope and all that. And then the next paragraph that, that we're about to read, I think I'll save this, uh, this comment that I'm, I'm going to make about the, um, the, the meetings being quiet and people listening. So um, I'll go ahead and pass with that. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much, Douglas. Uh, Melissa, you want to go ahead and take those next two? Starting with in business meetings or paragraph. One of the most important. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, one of the most important things we do in NA is to listen. For most of us, the experience of sharing and really being heard sets NA apart from anything we've experienced before. When we share in a meeting and the room is quiet, attentive, and present to us, that's a priceless gift. When we realize speaking the truth is useful, we start to develop a sense of purpose and value. Empathy allows us to recognize our place in the world. In business meetings too, listening is vital. Finding common ground takes talking and time. Some of us are more articulate than others. We work hard to hear each other and to help each other express ideas. We show patience, encouragement and gratitude to our fellows for their involvement and remember that no voice is greater than any other. We never know where our answers will come from or what new solution we might find together. Even disagreements and personal conflicts 
can serve as the basis for greater unity down the road. Yeah, so I have a, a number of things highlighted in this section. I'll just pick a few. Um, when it talked about being present in a meeting and the room is quiet and attentive, that's really what I was just, you know, speaking on a minute ago. It's like, that's like so powerful. You know, it's like, wow, they actually care what I have to say. You know, and I'm just going to say it. It drives me crazy when you see people, a bunch of people just sitting on their phones in a meeting. You know, it's like, like we're all here and we're trying to stay clean and let's like give each other the same respect you know, um, and I've seen people that like I got clean with that used to never do that. And now that's all they do, you know? Um, so the only thing I can control is myself. Um, so I just do my best not to be on my phone during the meeting. Cause I know how important that is, you know, and only an hour in some areas. Right. And, um, you know, being present is really important and, you know, there's so much value in that it's, like being present in a meeting taught me to learn how to be present in my life, you know, and be connected with that moment and not somewhere else, you know. And um, let's see. Also, I really like the whole helping each other express ideas because I didn't really know how to like articulate things when I got here, especially feelings. Oh, my goodness. I had like mad and happy, you know, like and that's all. And I didn't really have happy. I just had mad when I got here. but. You know, and like, like, it's almost like one by one, I started to like learn how I felt it because like other people like helped me identify that really, namely was my sponsor, you know, for a while, like she helped me identify feelings, you know, and um, I find actually that anger, like, I think it's one of our readings somewhere, you know, come is based off fear, really, all rooted in that. And uh, also have, we never know where answers will come from. That's powerful because I've had people that um, maybe like like it says later, like had a personal conflict with or that I just didn't like something that they did or, you know, they would say this always to certain things. So I want to like shut them out. Right. Well, sometimes my answers that I'm looking for are answers that I didn't even know I needed come from those people, you know, so just being all, always open minded um, to what people are saying, no matter who the person is and also um, being present you know, not wrapped up in whatever that conflict was, you know, being present in the moment of what's being shared. And um, it even talked about empathy in here. So that, that's really a big deal too, you know, and it even said something else that no voice is greater than any other, like anonymity. You know, that's the simplest form of anonymity, the, the simplest way I've ever seen it. So um, I really appreciate that as well. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Melissa. Uh, Ms. Burke? Thanks, Carl. Um, yeah, so I think I went on and on about this last week, too, that listening is so unbelievably important. It's important in meetings, um, yes, because I know for me, like, there are a few personalities in my area, and um, this way I get to hear, like, I think um, Lisa was talking about, I get to hear their experience, strength, and hope without actually having to put up with them over dinner or something. Like, I get to, like, have that without, like, um, and I think that's fantastic that there are people out there that I may not want to spend a lot of time with who have some information and experience, strength, strength and hope that can totally change my life 
because chances are I don't like them because they have a different viewpoint than I do, you know? And so that's, to me, it's totally amazing. And I get that from listening to people that I, I really probably didn't want to listen to because we have different, whatever, politics or, um, usually it's politics, honestly. <laughs> so, and the other, the other thing is, is that in service meetings, I can tell who's not listening. And service meeting, you get too many people not listening in a service meeting, and it takes three times as long to get anything done. Because the point is, is that we were to meet on common ground. Um, and if I'm not listening to what you're saying, and you're not listening to what I'm saying, we're never going to find that common ground. Um, and, uh, and so even if I disagree with what you're saying, it's really important when I show up to my home group, when I show up to um, a service meeting, that, that I'm not only ready to share my experience, strength, and hope, but I'm also ready to listen to yours. Um, and, uh, and that's how we grow, is I learn from you and you learn from me, and then we both get to be smarter. <laughs> you know, um, so, and that's all I have. Thanks. Thanks so much, Brooke. Um, Ms. Michelle, jump in. Um, I just wanted to touch on the, the listening that that first paragraph she read wrote uh, about when we share in a meeting and the room is quiet, attentive, and present to us, that's a priceless gift. And, you know, I think one of the things that sometimes we can all be better at is when people are sharing and they're really sharing like their hurt, that like raw stuff, all of a sudden, because we don't necessarily know, right? Especially people who are new, like feeling those types, being empathetic, being compassionate, being able to like feel that from another person can feel really overwhelming. So often the room will get really unsettled and people will stand up or leave the room sometimes. And that can feel um, for the person who's sharing can, can really impact them in a negative way, right? Like, so being conscious of that, that when people are sharing when, from their hearts and they're struggling and, um, you know, that we listen that, and that every voice matters, you know, and, and hearing, hearing all of it and opening, opening our hearts up to that and being able to stay settled and just listen. Um, or if we can't listen, to just be still um, and, you know, hold space for that person to say what they need to say. So I think that's such an important key thing. Thanks, Michelle. Mastano, jump in. I was just thinking about in our in our virtual world now, where where NA is happening here too. That I mean, when I'm sitting in a circle with people, um, that's one thing. But when I'm sitting here with you guys and I can see all your faces and you're off doing other things or you're on your phone or you're, you know, whatever it is you're doing other things. I think what I'm trying to do when I am um, going to be distracted, not on the screen and moving around and doing stuff, I'm turning off my video. And I think um, when I have been in a, in a meeting and I have been sharing uh, and I see people doing all this other stuff, it's that same kind of thing. You know, I think uh, uh, we're just learning some, some new things, right, uh, about uh, sharing and listening and meetings of Narcotics Anonymous. And, uh, you know, even, even giving the semblance of listening is courteous. Right. And, uh, and uh, I may be totally zoning out. Uh, but I'm looking at you, right? 
and I and and um, and uh, especially for somebody new, that's so important. I was never listened to as a child, even if I had the loudest voice. So walking into a room and understanding that people were actually that what I had to say mattered was huge. It was a big reason that I started trusting my home group. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Ms. Donna. Uh, anybody else? All right, Ms. Michelle, you want to go ahead and take those next two? Service helps. Gladly. Service helps us feel like we belong. We have a place and a purpose. The experience can be humbling. Doing as the group asks rather than as we choose is a form of surrender. When it just plain feels like defeat, surrender requires a deeper trust. We act on faith that a higher power is still in charge and that the greater good will prevail. Consistency and continuity are vital to our survival, but without rotation, we can risk being frozen in time. When one or a few members dominate a group, it can be hard for others to find a way. Domination and intimidation stifle the spirit of a group. There is a necessary give and take between the old timer, the newcomer, and the unseen. It is important to allow new thinking and new ideas into the group in order to expand our understanding and our ability to reach out. So um, these are these have been hard ones for me over the years. You know, I have one of those strong personalities that, um, you know, I have no problem speaking up. I have no problem um, having a voice, and and so what what started to happen a few years ago for me at, at my home group that um, my in person home group here in Bend was that if we had a business meeting, everybody would just wait for me to like start it, run it, tell us what we needed to do, right? And, and I had to start, you know, shifting that. And like, I was on a committee and the committee really took on my personality and, you know, things like that. And I had to, when I stepped down from my committee position, I said, I'm gonna actually leave the committee and not show up so that you guys can create what you wanna create next. Because if I'm here, you're still looking to me to see if it's okay what you want to do. And if you have a question, then call me. But like, other than that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remove myself. And, you know, I've had, to, I've had to learn to do that over time and like have those types of boundaries and, um, and to care enough about those groups and my home groups and, and the fellowship as a whole to know that even though I think I might have the best answer, <laughs> that... I might not always need to share it, you know, and, um, or I might need to be the last person to share or, you know, um, so that's, those have been some big ones for me that I've had to learn along the way. Um, and that, you know, it talked about that deeper form of surrender, you know, that's been a really deep surrender for me the last probably five years of my recovery, like, um, trying to find that balance so that there's more people have a voice. So. Awesome. Thanks, Michelle. Anybody else? Go ahead, Miles. Yeah, my name is Miles. I'm an addict. Um, so in that first paragraph she read where it says, uh, doing as the group asks rather than as we choose as a form of surrender. I have a 
you know, I've been of service since I've been to the, in the program in Narcotics Anonymous. I've been around here for a minute and held a lot of service positions. And there is nothing more humbling than when that group conscious votes against what you have put on the table and yet you're the chair of that committee and have to do what is completely against your better judgment. Um, and I, you know, it also goes on to talk about, you know, giving, giving others a chance and I'm guilty of it too. I've been of service and I don't want to give up my position. I don't think anybody can do it as well as I can. Like I've been in a position, in positions where I'm looking around at all these people getting nominated and I'm thinking in my head, none of these people are qualified. What do you mean we're, we're going to take a group conscience to waive their clean time? But the fact is they did it for me when I was new. You know, but now I've been around here a minute, I start getting the same feelings that they probably had when I got voted in and I only had like eight months clean. Like, I understand that, but it is important because service work kept me around the program of Narcotics Anonymous. You know, being able to do something for the program that has so freely given me all these gifts, you know, kept me coming back and it got me involved and it made me... um be a part of and grow this family and, and get to meet people all now the zooms around all over the world for that matter. Um, you know, but when we give others a chance, they need to learn to stand on their own two feet and to be responsible. And like, I was given this gift that I learned how to balance like bank accounts through the program and narcotics anonymous, given these positions where I could be on the committee that is handling this money and buying prizes and, you know, food and, and paying, paying for campgrounds and all this stuff. Like I learned how to responsibly spend money. And why would I deny somebody just because I don't think that they are, uh, they're qualified to do this position? Why would, why would I deny them the same gifts that I was given? Who knows? Maybe they're going to be the next president of Narcotics Anonymous like I wanted to be when I got here. Like I wanted to be N.A. famous. I wanted to be like the man of this program. I was on this pink cloud that couldn't be popped. You know, the thing is, like. I realized a long time ago that. Uh, giving somebody the opportunity to fail is probably one of the biggest gifts that we could be given in Narcotics Anonymous. Anyways, uh, I'm going to pass with that. Awesome. Thanks, Miles. Go ahead, Bobby. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that first paragraph that we read about service. Um, you know, one of the things that was drilled into me <clears throat> from day one from my sponsor was, um, you know, to do steps one, five, and 12 every day, right? Surrender, honesty, and transparency in service. And for me, service was a, such a huge part and still is a huge part of my recovery um, because, you know, it, it allows me to, you know, not only is it a responsibility and a duty for me, but it's something that I really need, really feel like I like, I want to do it. You know, it's not something that I need to do or have to do. It's something I want to do that, you know, because it was so freely given to me and, um, you know, like it touches on in that, in that reading, it's, it's about that, um, continuity you know it's about the continuity of the program and without the newcomer you know we, there's no chance for us and, and so 
how I do, you know, how I do my service was, you know, I, I started chairing meetings pretty, pretty regularly early on. And, but for me, what I get the most out of is being able to pick, pick up a recovering addict and take him to a meeting, you know, because I didn't have a car for many, 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 many years. <laughs> and now for the first time, I actually have a vehicle when I got clean. So I was picking up guys and, and just taking them to a meeting whenever, whenever I could, you know, and, and so uh, that made me feel really good. And still to this day, makes me feel really good that I'm able to do that. Um, and that's what keeps me coming around. That's what keeps me um, humble. And uh, like it says in there, it's a trust factor being, you know, surrender, uh, you know, surrender brings out trust. And um, I trust in this program and I trust um, in the people that came before me and um, know how to stay clean. So I follow that suggestion. So that's all I got. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks so much, Bobby. Anybody else? Go ahead, Casey. Just super quick. You know, we touched on, I think it was on our last reading, you know, about um, Narcotics Anonymous evolving like with the times, right? And we just did our um, area nominations for, uh, for our particular area. And there was a lot of new blood, I guess, if you will, a lot of new people. Um, and it was exciting to see a lot of new people coming in with a lot of new ideas, right? Like sometimes not to dog any of my predecessors or anything, but, you know, sometimes we get stuck in our ways and that this is how it has to be done. And, um, and there's no room for growth because we kind of get blocked a little bit when it comes to how things work, right? Like if it's not broke, don't fix it. That doesn't mean that new ideas can't come. And so it's, um, I love that, that, to see new blood, I'd love to see new faces in there that will come with new ideas and, and um, or new failures, you know, maybe one or the other, but it's just super cool to see that we can uh, evolve and not get stuck, right? Like we can uh, find a, a, a new way to get through to a newcomer, you know, people that are coming into Narcotics Anonymous. Um, we have a lot of younger people coming in and I mean, really young people, at least in our area coming in and so, who better to be able to relate to them than younger people. So that's it. Awesome. Thanks, Casey. Douglas. Yeah, thanks, Carl. Um, I think one thing it I want to point out is we act on faith that a higher power is still in charge and that the, the greater good will prevail. Um, and that just gives me a lot of like a lot of comfort knowing that you know what may, maybe you know we make the decision. And it's, it's not like the very best decision or the best outcome or whatever. It's all right. There's still a higher power that's in charge, right? We're still okay, man. We're still going to be able to come and have the meeting. You know, we're still going to be there together. So I think that's cool. Um, another thing is, let's see here, the give and take between the old timer and newcomer. If I look at it as that part, because I have a question about the unseen, but the, the give and take between the, the old timer and the newcomer, I think, I think sometimes we swing way far to one way with it's like here, let's let's see what the new folk want to say. You know, let's be real gentle and real easy. And hey, you know, okay, this and that. Well, really, I think I think there there I think there's a lot of value in 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 having members who have been clean for a long time and say, look, we've tried this, really doesn't work, or or it didn't. You know, that's our experience, or or this or that. And I and I don't know if maybe the pendulum needs to swing back a little bit more that way. But it, it, sometimes it kind of feels like we're we're all the way on the let's let's discount the old timer and let's let's kind of you know be really soft and and, and warm with the newcomer and that's just the observation I made but the question I have is this like who's the, who's the unseen 
here, you know, because I can read that as it's kind of saying, is that is that maybe the member yet to come? And that's how I'm reading it. So, you know, if there's a give and take between the old tower and newcomer, but then, you know, what, what's that relationship there? So that's a question I have. Maybe some folks listening, um, you know, are, are, are kind of, uh, I'm confused about it. So, so if you folks want to add some context to that, who's the unseen that we're talking about there? I'll go ahead and pass. Thanks, Douglas. I saw Melissa, your hand shot out. Yes, shot right up. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna, I wanted to make a couple comments. These two paragraphs got a lot of meat to it. We all got something to say. Um, so yeah, a form of surrender that stood out to me when it said doing as the group acts rather than as we choose as a form of surrender. That's at least the third different form of surrender that we've read about hanging on, letting go, and then doing as the group acts. So I, I like that part. Um, and domination and intimidation stifle the spirit of a group. I've had that happen in business meetings, and I'm not an old timer. Um, this person probably had around 30 years or so, and the whole room just became so uncomfortable and rigid. And I can't even honestly remember what the topic was or what it was, but it just made everyone feel less than everyone else in the room. And um, I, I just remember that, and it, you know, it's, I guess that's what, that those type of situations take away from the unity of a home group, you know? And um, so th that stood out to me and it brought me back to that a couple of years back um, <clears throat> and the unseen and that sentence, I only have that part highlighted. And to me, what that spoke about is that person that um, doesn't get involved you know, that person that's just kind of sitting on the sidelines that is too afraid to say anything, you know, the one that hurries out up as soon as a meeting's over and tries to get out, you know, that's what spoke to me as far as the unseen. And um, what I can do to help the, the unseen that comes to my home groups and just really any meeting that I go to of Narcotics Anonymous is, you know, be watchful and be present and take, make a special effort to talk to those people, you know? Um, and I actually love to do that because all my life I felt like an underdog, you know? And that's what that unseen, you know, kind of feels like to me. I've been that way. You know, I've felt that way in Narcotics Anonymous, especially when I first came in. But there's times even now where my head tells me um, I'm not enough, I'm not equal, you know? And all those things to me represent the unseen. So I just have to be vigilant in seeing them and letting them know that they're recognized and a valuable part of Narcotics Anonymous. You know, and I'll say this and I'll shut up, but um, whenever somebody doesn't have a home group, you know, I talk with them and I encourage them and I say, this don't have to be your home, you know, but get one, you know, because it's having a home group really has served me well. And so that, that could even be the unseen, you know, because I was taught that a home group is a place that you're of service and a place that, um, you know, you're accountable to, that you share with others who you are, you know? So I think there's a whole bunch that can, you know, fit in that category of the unseen. But my, my question for, you know, for anyone that's a member of Narcotics Anonymous is what do you do to um, welcome the unseen? What is your part of the give and take? So that'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Anybody else? I'm Carl, I'm an addict. So I got a little message just a few seconds ago that said, hey, you know, you can share too. 
<laughs> and so sometimes when I'm, if I'm like chairing a meeting or facilitating or anything like that, I typically kind of take a back seat, you know, and I, I, I don't know, I, I um, maybe that's something to explore a little bit more, but, you know, in, the, in this first paragraph, um, it made me remember um, early recovery, I would travel to a lot of different meetings, you know, and I was also chairing sometimes two, three, four nights a week because nobody would pick up a commitment, you know, so I had this format that the, the group conscious had come up with. But as I was traveling to all these different groups, I'm like, man, I like the way they do it better. You know, so I'd bring back to my group and I'd just be saying whatever I wanted, you know? And so like <laughs> one of the old timers, and I'm sure Melissa and I know we got clean in the same home group, but um, he's definitely a very dominant and an intimidating guy. You know what I mean? And he was like, bro, you can't do that. You know, like you can't just be changing it. And which I totally understand and agree with now. Um, but it does lead me into that that dominating and, and the inability to change, you know, this this personality, this guy, although super grateful um, for him because he has kept a meeting open for a very long time, his personality definitely has come into the meeting and it is never, for some reason, that meeting's never really taken off, even though it's one of the only meetings that's seven nights a week. And, um, and it does, I, I believe, I guess, and it's one of the reasons I don't, really supported as much anymore, but, um, you know, it definitely took on that, that space of just, um, I'm in charge. You don't do, you, you know, you do it as I say. And, um, I don't know, it is very, um, it does steer me away from it, you know, just that attitude and it's not a unity, you know, it's almost like leadership. And, um, so I'll pass with that. So do, um, Let's see, Douglas, you wanna go ahead and take, oh wait, Donna, did you have something to add? No? Um, Douglas, you wanna go ahead and take the next two? Yeah, each of us uh, shares responsibility for our fellowship. When we take responsibility and it starts to feel like it belongs to us. I was staying at a shelter and I went to this daytime meeting, the addicts there gave me the opportunity to make coffee. I didn't have the house key or a car key, but I had the NA key. Uh, I'd get there early and set it up so perfect. And when I did that, I noticed I felt less like harming myself. One of the most important ways we demonstrate unity is through consistency. We keep our commitments and that matters to the people around us. The meetings are reliable. They start and end on time. Uh, services continue when trusted servants change. When there is disruption, feelings can spiral out of control quickly. Inconsistency feels like this unity and often contributes to it. Remembering that unity comes first can help us work through conflict. Are we signing into disunity? How can we settle the question without isolating members who disagree strongly? Uh, just like members, groups can experience self-centeredness. When a group forgets its relationship to NA as a whole, it suffers, and the NA community suffers as well. One of the most destructive lies we tell ourselves is that our actions don't affect those around us. NA groups don't compete with each other. We work together for the greatest success. Uh, for the greatest number. There's a lot of comments. So I'm just going to make a couple and, and um, wait. other folks can jump in. It seems like there's like a, a lot in there. One is this, um, each of us shares responsibility for our fellowship, not your fellowship, not like, hey, you have responsibility for this fellowship. Like I'm a part of, I have that ownership piece and that responsibility. 
to be the best version of myself and make sure the meetings are starting on time, ending on time, and that it's a welcoming environment. That's that, that that's how I could summarize those two. But the most the beautiful, the, the most beautiful sentence in this, and I have it written on both margins and underlined, like, hey, this is my story, and this is my story. The addicts there gave me the opportunity to make coffee. Man, it doesn't read, hey, these dudes didn't want to make coffee. They wanted to yell at me if I messed it up and do all that. So they gave me the opportunity to make coffee. And then it was all about getting there, we'll put the coffee on, then set the chairs up, make sure people, you know, the coffee was done when people started getting there. And then afterwards we would mop, man, we would mop. And, and man, I said this story over and over again, but look, I felt so validated this, this whole time. He looked his head in and told me, did a good job. Like I was, I was finishing him up and then I had no sure shit, man. He was looking in there to tell me I'll fuck something up. Like, I know that that's what, you know, that was a thing, but I did, man. I had, man, I had it down. I had, I had the stroke down there. Not in a, you know, many. So, you know, I was, I was in it, man. I was in it. He said, you did a good job. And right here, like right here, man, that, that, you know, that felt something kind of like what we're talking about when the room's quiet and we're speaking, you know, and, and stuff like that, man, I felt like I belong. I felt like I was a part of, it doesn't come easy, man. Like that's that, that that stuff, you know, that doesn't come easy for us. And and um, and I love that, man. And I, I love that. So look, that is there gave me the opportunity to make coffee. I think it's beautiful. I'm gonna go ahead and pass with that. Thanks, Douglas. I don't see. Oh, go ahead, Donna. Thanks. Um, I just want to talk about uh, being an old timer in the room, you know, and um, one of the reasons that old timers become rigid about things is it's based in fear. I guess that's what, true with any of us, but really maybe experience over time that, you know, giving up parts of it didn't go so well. Maybe the meetings weren't opening up on time. Maybe there were newcomers, maybe people had showed up at the meeting and nobody was there. And maybe the coffee wasn't made. Maybe, you know, it's like, there's a lot of reasons that that starts to happen over time. And, um, and, it, and, it, and we can become really afraid that the meeting is gonna fold, that the meeting is gonna close, that the person who needs that meeting, that newcomer walking into the room, is not gonna be there. The recovery is not gonna be there. If we don't say it right, if we don't do it right, if we don't read the right things, if we don't say the right things, if we don't show up just on time, you know, those kinds of things, you know, and, um, I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it's rigid, you know, trees that get that hard and firm and fast, they, they're brittle, they break, you know, and, um, but that's why that happens, you know, and, uh, and I've been a part of that, you know, I've been a part of that. And in our, in our groups before we talked about sometimes having to let things fail, you know, having to back up and just let it die because they wouldn't follow the traditions or whatever, you know, and like I, I'm not you know, I, the president of NA thing. I'll tell you that story sometime, Miles, but, you know, I, I truly am not. I'm not in charge. The only thing I get to be in charge of on a daily basis is not using just for today. And that takes the help of higher power, right? And um, um, so that uh, piece about demonstrating unity through consistency you know, I'm the person who didn't know how to show up more than two times in a row for anything, you know, and being part of a home group and that service position, that first service position I got, 
I showed up for that meeting every week, even when I wanted to get loaded, especially when I wanted to get loaded. I'd sometimes say, I got to go show up for that meeting and then I'll get loaded. I open up that damn meeting and then I'll get high. Then I'll go to the bar. Then I'll call my connection. You know, and by the time the meeting's done, of course, I didn't do any of those things, right? So it's so important to, um, uh, for all of us and for the groups as a whole, you know, I, um, Melissa, you did a really good job with um, describing the unseen, but I want to just say there's one other piece and maybe this is a little bit too esoteric, but there's a, there's an energy, there's a, um, there's a things that are seen and unseen. We can all see each other, right? And we can all interact with each other. And there's this other piece that goes on that we don't even know it's there. Right. And, and, and without talking and communicating and being part of that stuff doesn't even show up. We don't even know. Right. So um, that's that's part of what I thought about when I thought about the unseen. It's like there's a piece there's maybe something here we don't even know is happening. There's a and and we just got to keep showing up and uh, old timers got to have some humility. You know, the newcomer has to have some willingness, you know, and then back and forth, we can maybe make that work. You know, I hate it when people don't listen to me, when I have done this thing a bazillion times, but I'll let you fail because I'm not in charge. It's not my job. It's hard. I'll pass with that. Thanks, Donna. I saw Melissa and then Michelle. Yeah, thanks, Carl. So um, I don't really read very, very, I haven't seen it very much in the literature where it talks about um, like harming oneself. And um, so that line right there really stood out to me because before I ever chose drugs, um, I, I did a lot of self-mutilation, which not a lot of people know about that. Um, but I just, so I just really like that it said that, you know, because that was really my first addiction, you know, and um. So what I have, I have that highlighted and then right next to it, I have a steamable ax. So, you know, I heard it said that um, people with good self-esteem do esteemable things. And so that's what I get out of like, you know, doing something for the group and feeling good about it, you know? And then the reward like that I'll, I get in this person that, that shared this in the book um, that you get out of it is like, of a feeling of self-love almost, you know, like not wanting to harm yourself, like wanting to, to live differently than that. And so I, I take a lot out of that, you know, whenever I do something good for the group, it, it always makes me feel good. And when I don't feel, um, thankfully I don't struggle with that today, but when I don't feel my best and I'm, maybe I'm feeling kind of down or whatever the case may be, when I'm of service, even if it's just taking a phone call or like Bobby said, bringing someone to a meeting, like that makes me feel better about myself, you know? And also <clears throat> it asks a lot of questions at the, um, I guess in the middle of that second paragraph. And I, I like to ask questions when I read, like, it, you know, this is thought provoking stuff we're reading here. And so I wrote, how can I express unity when I disagree with the group conscience and still be a hurt and still be a part of, you know, and because that's important, you know, and it even goes on to say, um, well, that's the next paragraph, but it talks about that lone voice, you know, like, you no, know, nobody ever wants to be the one where it's like, I'm the only one that disagrees, but you know what, that's a different perspective and Narcotics Anonymous 
encourages that, you know, and, and I find that really valuable. Also, this is my last comment. So it says we work together for the greatest success for the greatest number. That kind of struck me like, like Doug is like, what does that really mean? You know, and is it the greatest number of like the, the group conscience overall? Like, so I actually had a question mark next to that one. So um, the greatest number of what, you know, so it's kind of open an interpretation. So anyway, that's all I got. Thanks, Melissa. I'll go ahead and uh, call him Michelle. Keep swatting at that fly, you know? Oh, man. He just keeps dive bombing me. Um, so there's two things that I thought about that are just little stories that have happened in, in my recovery. And one was this large meeting. We had a new person that had gotten voted in to be the coffee maker and brand new in recovery. And, uh, and the first night the person made coffee, Everybody was complaining about the coffee being weak, bitching, moaning, blah, 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 but nobody was doing anything about it. I got up, went over to the coffee maker and I went to look and see, and the person didn't know, like didn't know how to make coffee, right? They bought beans, but didn't know that the beans needed to be ground. And so like, instead of making the person feel like a fool, right? Like I, I took care of the coffee and then after the meeting, approached the coffee maker and like, let him know because like that's part of the humility, right? Not, not embarrassing him in front of everybody or letting it continue because there was like this loud, you know, everybody wanted their coffee <laughs> and, um, and they wanted it strong. And, you know, but nobody was like, and I think we have to do that. I think we have to pay attention to those things when they're happening. And when we start to see that kind of swirl in a meeting that we have to take responsibility to help stop it and transition it. And, um, to, you know, to shift it into, into a positive and, and help people out, teach them what they don't know, right? And the next week he got it 100% right. So, and then the other thing I was just gonna talk about really quick is, um, you know, it was talking about in that first paragraph around how when, um, when service continues, when trusted servants change. And um, we had a situation at my home group where we had some new people who'd moved to the area and they came to our meeting and they were questioning whether or not our meeting was really, observing the first tradition and they asked us to take an inventory and the whole home group was just pissed off like we loved our home group we were proud of our home group we thought we were doing everything great and here's this person coming in from the outside taking a service position asking us to check ourselves and so begrudgingly we did it and every week people would show up and it was like everybody was and by the end we really gained some valuable insight into some changes that our meeting need to make to make it more open and and um, more welcoming to the newcomer. And, uh, you know, that, that greatest number at the end there, I think it's about the greatest number of addicts being able to recover. That's, that's how I read it. Um, you know, that, that if our, if our purpose remains to be in unity for the addict who still suffers, um, then we can reach the greatest number of people who feel welcome and safe. So that's all I got. Thanks so much, Michelle. All right, y'all, we are at the top of the hour. I uh, just want to go ahead and thank everybody for listening and all of the members on here. Thank you, Miles, for joining us. And uh, as a wrap, love y'all. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.